Hello, and welcome to the Judah Way of Life podcast. Before we get started and I introduce today's guest, I'd like to quickly apologize for the audio quality of this episode. Recording across continents can sometimes present challenges, so I appreciate your patience and understanding with this one. Now, having said that, let's meet today's guest. Today, I am joined by a good friend, training partner, and former rival, Michael Hawley. Michael represented Great Britain for a number of years, with career highlights including competing at the 2010 World Championships in Tokyo, ranking number one on the European ranking list in 2013, and also winning numerous European Cup medals, including gold at the prestigious German Open. Following his competition career, Michael has smoothly transitioned into coaching elite judo athletes, initially at Judo Scotland, and he is now based in Canada, working with Judo Saskatchewan. Hello, Michael, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Firstly, I'd like to start off by asking you how you started learning judo, or where did it all begin? It all began with my granda. Uh, when I was nine years old, he knew someone who used to do judo that I used to work with. And then uh, he asked me if I wanted to give it a go sometime. I was like, yeah. So we phoned the guy up, found out what times uh, Carlisle Judo Club was, was training. And then, yeah, popped down one Monday night, had a good session. Uh, everyone was really friendly, the coaches, the athletes, really welcoming. And um, yeah, I threw someone to rip on. I like the feel of it. They might have just jumped over for me. I don't know, but I like the feeling of throwing people around. So I was kind of hooked on it after that. And then this was history, really. Got into competitions quite early, early on. And yeah, things just went, things just snowballed from there, really. Did you do any other sports as a kid? Or was did judo become sort of the one and only quite early on? Became the one and only quite early on. I think I tried to play football for a bit or soccer for more Americanized people listening, but yeah, I was really bad at it. Just used to get screamed at all the time because I didn't understand the offside rule, which is a bit of an inconvenience when you're mid football match. But I couldn't really get into any other sports. Judo was the one for me. And did you find it an easy sport to learn in the beginning, or did you face any particular challenges? I think at the time when I was doing it, I was like kind of clueless, I guess. So I thought I was, I thought I was, doing, I thought I had good technique. Looking back now, I put my head in my hands. I was I remember trying to do Tayatoshi for the first time. It was, it was an abomination of the technique. So luckily, I had very patient coaches who sorted me out. But yeah, it is a difficult sport to do. It's very tactile. You need to have a bit of judo feel as well. But that sometimes that doesn't come up, come till much later on. I think I was in my twenties before I started to develop that kind of skill set. But yeah, luckily um I kind of there's a big emphasis on my strength and conditioning. So we developed a fight system that relied on well relied on, you know so it made the most out of my physicality and good level of condition. So I had like an unorthodox style which played to my strengths, luckily, and then I've developed a bit more bit of a better judo feel as I got older but it's not an easy sport to learn for sure it's tough get the odd talent but it is is a tough one to learn so you're saying there that you were about 20 when you started to get this judo feel was that about around the time where you sort of take the sport more seriously or were you younger when you decided okay well judo is the sport that I'm going to focus my time and efforts on 
I was always kind of obsessed with judo from an early age. From like I think from nine years old, I decided I wanted to qualify for Olympic Games. One of the coaches he gave me a poster of the British judo team at the like a photo shoot for the Atlanta Olympic Games, and I kind of decided, right, I want to be a Olympic champion. That was kind of my goal. Didn't work out in the end from that early age. Yeah, that was what I wanted to do. So I was, you know, training. Well, I, I was doing judo a few times a week, and also doing like little circuits and stuff like that from uh, quite a young age, just because that was my goal I had in mind. Just probably quite unusual for a. Uh, yeah, I was doing that from the age of, like nine to twelve years old. I was pretty obsessed with the sport from a young age. And then, when did that obsession become more of a, a focus? in terms of your training and competitions. So obviously I know we compete together and we're teammates on the Northwest area and then Mm -hmm. later on on the GB team. But where for you did that sort of come together? I was 15 when that started happening. I think I'd already like competed in like national championships and stuff and and I never medaled. You, yeah, that was partly because your fault as well because we're from different squads. He beat me that time for bronze. That was, yeah, that was maybe the final straw. But yeah, 15 start, things started to take shape. And that was due to Brian Moore, who was the GB cadet manager at the time. He used to invite me to squad training and stuff. Just, I think he was quite impressed with my work ethic, more so than my judo skills. And then I think he got sick of seeing me getting thrown all the time. So he suggested I started training on Candle. Like, I think it's meant like once a fortnight or something like that, just for a bit of extra training to try and improve my, improve my judo. But then it turned into training like once a week to a couple of times a week, three times a week, plus the Northwest squad weekends where, um, so I changed squads to turncoat. And then we, um, yeah, that's, that's where me and you got to know each other on those Northwest squad training weekends and stuff. So 15 seems to be the catalyst when it all started to take shape. And then from there, you, like, obviously, I know that we went on to train full-time together uh, mm-hmm. at Kendall Judo Club. And I just wonder if you could just sort of go into the transition, uh, going from, you know, only training a couple of times a day and then having to do school or university and and work and then transitioning to being a full-time athlete. Yeah, it was, it was a tough transition to be expected because once you have... Yeah, when you're living and training on site, there's there's an expectation that you're going to be training more. So we train like three or four times a day, and we also had to help out around the club as well. So it wasn't like we were just lying around sleeping when we weren't training or anything. So I remember when we first started training full time, we just yeah we had that rule that Mike kindly gave us where we whenever we left the dojo building. We had to climb up the Tory Arch. The Tory Arch, for anyone listening, is like a, a big wooden frame that went outside Judo Club, and we'd have to like clamber, like, climb up it, then traverse across, do ten pull-ups in the middle, traverse to the other end, and climb down. Um, we had to do that every time we left the dojo. So by the end of it, we had like pretty bad calluses on our hands after a few weeks and like skin was ripping off. And luckily we had a judo competition coming up in Italy that week. So our coach was like, right, no more 
but you can stop climbing up the Tory Arch now, as well. Thank God for that, because that was it was getting ridiculous. We were climbing out the bathroom window to try and avoid going out the front door and having to climb up the Tory Arch. But that was that was kind of the and it gives you an idea of the kind of taskmaster like Liptro, our coach was in Kendall and all you guys do any things that were tough on you mentally as much as anything. So yeah, things like that were were hard to deal with. But I remember the first three weeks are always but yeah, they they were they were hard. But no younger athletes that came to train as well, they'll they'd always find those first three weeks really tough as well. From what I as far as I could tell. It is a tough transition to make. Not really get any easier, you just get better at dealing with it. Once you get past the three week mark, it's still tough. But your body just gets better at coping with it as time goes on. Yeah, I remember those those early days. I think I think it being well, three weeks is uh, kind. I remember it taking a little bit longer for myself to really transition into that kind of training and the physical and mental toughness that was required. But once we got there, um, I remember it becoming not easier in a sense because the training always got harder because we were able to handle more. But then it got easier because we got used to it in a way. And it was always getting mixed up and we're always being thrown curveballs to to challenge to challenge mm. us. Yeah. You know, I remember like you say the the gripping circuit we used to do and having to climb up the piece of material with the, the metal bar at the bottom. Um and just shredding, shredding my fingers. And yeah, just having nightmares about that thing. And every time I had to do a gripping circuit, I always knew the the uh, the rope, not the rope, the, the material was going to come out and if you you fell or let go, you're gonna get whacked on the legs by this piece of metal at the bottom. Yeah, nothing like a bit of fear to make you cling on. Yeah, that, that was particularly tough. They said, yes, my nails would always be bleeding after that climbing up the canvas. So I always preferred the rope. When I'm saying three weeks, I'm not not suggesting after three weeks everything's fine and dandy. I think it's just that first. It that's when it's like getting. It's a big slap in the face that first few weeks, just a big, big shock to the system. And after that, it's still tough, but you just kind of, it begins to level out a wee bit over time. But it is a tough thing. It was, it was tough from start to finish the whole time. I think it was like almost over like a 10 year span we were training full time for. It was always tough, but I think we just got better at dealing with the stress of it. So we've learned how to, yeah. He was anxious all the time. Like when the ropes got pulled out after a randori session, it wasn't like full on, oh no, we're going to do rope climbs. It's like, no, this is what we do. The rope comes down, we do five rope climbs. This is what you do. It's just a process. You're not overjoyed to see your coach lower the ropes down, but you're not like full on panic. Like, because you know what the expectations are after you've been training full time a, a good while. So, yeah, it was the same with the, I remember used to doing the beep test at the end of a hour and a half randori session, and then you'd hear the those famous oh. start of level one. You'd yeah. have to line up and you know get oh. ready to really flog yourself. Yeah, we weren't. We weren't and you're already it. pretty fatigued from randori. It wasn't used as a fitness test; it was like a character building thing, really. Yeah, it was all. A lot of it was just that mental. Yeah, building that mental strength. But one, the thing I hated. Uh, the most was the sprint drills at the end over two Olympic-sized mat areas. That was, I found that really hard. 
I'd always get nervous about that. You weren't always sure what you were going to get if it was going to be like a circuit type thing. The rope climbs were always there afterwards anyway, just expected. Like even if we didn't do them within the session, you just expected to do the rope climbs afterwards on your own accord. But yeah, it always, yeah, I remember now, it'll quarter past nine. The session finished at 9.30. So it was like 7.30 till 9.30 the session at night. 9.15, the session would end, and you're like, you just weren't quite sure what you were going to get. Whether it was a bleep test, the more anaerobic style bleep test, there was that one as well. There was that one where you had to grab a weight and just do, the way how to put the weight down, doing push press, chest press, uh, twists, but you just weren't able to put the weight down. Or there's the body carry one. We have to carry each other, and that was quite grueling. But the sprints were always... They were always the worst ones. Never enjoyed the sprint. I'd always feel like screwing up afterwards. That was tough. But yeah. See, for me, it was the rope climbs. Mystery conditioning. It was the rope climbs that would uh, instill deep anxiety into me. I didn't mind the running. The sprinting, I was more than uh, more than happy to do the sprinting. But yeah, yeah, as soon as the ropes came down, I'd be yeah. I'd be getting nervous. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious, so... Obviously, you talk about the mental development. So, so there's talk quite a lot about the the physical requirements and of the training, and you, you touch there on the the mental aspect. And having competed at such a variety of different levels, all the way up to the world championships, I'm just curious how the mental training, how much of a role that played on your preparation for the competitions at the different levels. Okay, so I think. First of all, the hardness of the training, like how tough the training was, developed, developed your mental strength in that sense. So one thing that you could expect from us when we were competing was we'd always give it our all. No matter who we were against, we'd always fight, you know, fight to the death kind of thing. Whether we were against someone who was below our level on paper or much better than us on paper, we'd, we'd always give them a fight. So there was that. We had that never give up kind of attitude. That's not to say we weren't, well, I can only really speak for myself. I don't know what was going through your head half the time. It's not to say, you know, you didn't get a little bit of self-doubt every now and then or anything like that. But bottom line, always give it, give it everything you got on the mat. So I think, yeah, that was a minimum kind of requirement expect from us. We'd fight to the death. So there was that. And then I think in terms of mental development, mental toughness to competitions, I think it kind of just got something that improved over time through trial and error, I guess, just learning how to, if you're nervous, not worrying about being nervous, just accepting you're going to be nervous. If there's ever a time to be nervous, it's probably when you're about to fight someone. So it's just learning how to accept the nerves and manage them more than anything else. I'm not sure if that came from that doesn't really come from full-time training. It just comes from learning your craft. The more competitions you do, the better you get at figuring out that sweet spot of not being, yeah, not freezing, but not being too complacent either. I had competitions where um, sometimes I wouldn't feel nervous, but then I'd fight really badly as a result. I say not nervous. I wouldn't be as nervous as usual, but then it, I'd pay the price for it. And then some other times I'd be yeah, a bit too nervous and maybe freeze up a little bit on the mats, not move as well. But I think you get something you get better at 
the more competitions you do, the better you get at managing it, and you better, the better you get at your routines as well. It's familiarity as well. Like if you first time you fight in Belgium Open or something like that, or first time you fight in a European Cup, it's like you're a bit like a rabbit in headlights. You're just not used to the different, like waiting in a holding area at a European Cup or Grand Slam or whatever. It's like a, that's a very nervous place to be. But after you've done it a few times, you kind of know what to expect. So I think that helps having a good routine at your competition. In some ways, European Cups or international events were better to get into a routine and say domestic tournaments in the UK because it's completely different. Like at a World Cup, sometimes I'd, I'd be on like first, one of the first contests long. So it's like, you know, you have your breakfast after you've weighed in the night before and, and all that stuff. You go to the venue, you do your warm up, like your general warm up, and then you're pretty much good to go. You might be first or one of the first five contests on, you kind of routine sorted out. And then there's maybe an hour or two before your next contest where you just chill out in the warm room for a bit and do a bit of a warm up again. And you just, it's like wash, rinse, repeat throughout the day. Unless you get bombed up first round, that's, that's another story. Whereas competition in the UK, I went through a phase of getting more nervous about competitions in the UK because the expectation was higher. Like it was just relief if you, won a medal or won because you kind of expect it. Also as well for heavyweights, you know, usually on end of the day, like you'll weigh in early morning. It's like, I right, put 90 kilos on at 4 p.m. And you're like, Tuh. so you just kind of, yeah, it's hard because you're always on, you're on edge kind of all day. So it's hard. So I found it hard trying to relax. So I was always, always a wee bit anxious throughout the day and grumpy and probably quite difficult to be around all day. Whereas abroad, I knew I'd be on like pretty early on in the morning, and then you kind of know you just have a better process, and so it's learning what works for you. But I think having a routine and having that familiarity is a good way to a good starting point. And in terms of that routine, did you learn that yourself through trial and error, or did you have any help in building, or you know, did you seek out any resources to help with that side of your? training and competition development? It was mainly trial and error. And like when we were like cadets, like when we were just, well, our young juniors, it was always getting told off by Brian and Mike for doing a bad warm-up. They're kind of like, <laughs> they, just, they just do a better job of warming up. Also, Brian once, I don't even remember this, but we had a session at Kendall and um, before the session, it was the first session we did. He just went, right boys, uh, rope climbs, up you go. And normally we we do rope climbs at the end of the session, we're like, you know, warm and we just fly up and down the rope. We did it. We could hardly do, barely do one rope climb. And then when we got down, Brian was like, yeah, that's what happens when you don't warm up properly. Like, that's why you do warm ups before competition. So then that kind of sank with me. I saw how bad I was at rope climbs without being warmed up compared to what I'm like, you know, after the sessions, after a two hour session when you, fly up because you're warm that kind of really rang home for me so that's a good yeah that kind of brought it home for me but i think just getting used to doing what works for you not necessarily what everyone else does like for me even if i was on at the end of the day i benefited from doing a warm-up right at the start while all the mats were clear i'd always do a long warm-up then even if it wasn't until 4 p.m i'd still warm up there then 
I maybe would warm up as hard as what I would if you know I was on straight away. But I'd always do it just just help get rid of the nerves. So I just do that regard. Some people thought I was daft for doing it, but I just felt better for it. Just got rid of a few nerves and stuff. Abroad, again, it's a bit easier. You've got a bit more, uh, there's a bit more structure to those competitions. Have a better idea when you're going to be on. So, yeah, I just got, yeah, just over time, you just get used to what works for you. What kind of, you know, your process throughout. Like, you know, like you're going to do a what time you do your kind of circuit-based stuff to get your heart rate jumped up and just get used to it as time goes on. Think as well as you get older, you have to spend more time warming up. It seems to take a bit longer to get warmer the, the older you are. Plus, you've probably got a few niggling injuries that you have to prehab beforehand as well. So you go on the mats a bit earlier, do some activation mobility stuff, which you probably don't really need to do when you're like junior and under 21, but as... As you get older, you have to take all that kind of stuff into account. Another thing I noticed I did, that people laughed at me about a bit, was I just like hide in the warm-up area like all day if I was having a good day because I just stayed focused and I just like, and I wasn't stressed about suddenly getting called up to, to the holding area because like right next to it, I just chill out in there and have all my energy drinks, my food, my fuel. I just stay warm, nice warm jacket on. I just, I just chill out in there. That seems to work for me. Sometimes you get a bit much if you're there. Like, if there's a long day, it's like seven hours or something. Like, that's a long time. I just go from warm up area to that side. But I preferred that than being distracted in the stand sometimes. I'd sometimes pop out to watch who I'd be competing against next to get an idea. But yeah, I just prefer to be in the warm up area. For some reason, it's like a like a little cave to hide in. <laughs> Do you miss competing now that you're coaching? Sometimes, but then, hey, everything seems to hurt a bit more than it used to nowadays. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I do miss it, but I think it. I have to accept it's done. Like to compete at a high level, you have to. I couldn't like the. Limited training I'm doing now, which is just so I don't die of a heart attack, really. I just, I go to the gym like a few times a week, just doing strength stuff. I go for a walk. It was minus 32 degrees here in Saskatchewan. So I hadn't been out walking much because I didn't want to die of hypothermia. So I went for a walk yesterday and that was the first walk I'd done in like, like a proper walk for like two months and that. Comparatively, I was pretty tired after that, so I don't think I'm in any condition to be competing. I think I just get snapped in two now if I was competing again. So, yeah, it's just a, a dream, I guess. I don't think, yeah, I do miss it the adrenaline, the euphoria when it goes well, and the process of training full time. But I think the ship sailed for, for me now. I like doing a bit of Naylazer as well when it's not COVID times, but yeah, I'm not. Well, as fit as what I used to be, so I think those days are gone. And now that you're coaching, and obviously maybe not so much at the minute, but when competitions were operating and you were taking your players to competitions and coaching them and obviously seeing that they were nervous, would you get nervous for them? In, uh, I know it sounds maybe a bit strange, but um, 
you know, would you be feeling nervous as well, stood at the side of the mat as your play was about to go on? Or do you turn up to a competition and it's just sort of, right, let's get the job done? And is it a different experience? Or? It is different. I do get, I'm not like, like I do, you do get a bit nervous. Some contests you get, you always get a little bit nervous because you want them to do well, you know? So there's that. And you want to do a good job that side for them. So you do, there is a little bit of pressure there. Kind of, I love competition. I love culture competitions. I like the excitement of it all, but always in the morning, it's more, uh, yeah, I don't, I enjoy it more after the competition's done. I enjoy it more than like reflecting on it and do like the morning of the competition. You are a wee bit, a little bit stressed. You want everyone to do well. You like think about, you're kind of like on edge a bit, like, right, is everyone warming up properly? Yes, right. So and so has we got in the flipping judo suit or whatever, so you have to go back to the Yeah, there's all this all the bits of nonsense you have to deal with as well. But it's just like yeah, you do there is a wee bit of there is a bit of stress that comes with it. Hopefully one of the athletes can tell. Hopefully I hide it well. And you want yeah, you like I say, you want them to do well, so you do have some nerves. Yeah, that's it. But if you weren't getting nervous, it would be a worry because it would mean it didn't mean much to you, but it does does mean something to me, so I'll always be a bit nervous, a bit on edge. <laughs> yeah. And how do you feel that your training and the the competitions that you did in the past, uh, and like you say, all your mental preparation for those, you know, the development you did in training, how do you feel as though that's helped set you up in in terms of your life post your own personal competitive career? Feels like it's had much of a benefit. I think so. I think something that competitive judo, or any competitive sport, but I think the thing you discover is like I, I'm, I can only go off how I used to feel when I used to compete. But in the morning, I'd be like kind of excited to compete, but yeah, also there's a bit of like dread and pressure when you first woke up. I was a bit like, you just like, oh, I've had that horrible feeling in my stomach. It's like, oh, like. I remember GB World Cup in Glasgow, I felt, I think I was fighting a Brit first round, so I felt like, you know, on home soil, so like, this is like, it's a lot of pressure, eh? You just kind of like, there's that feeling of dread, but you just, just get on with it. Like, you just have to get on with it. So I think that's what it does. For life outside of judo, you just, when the stuff you, you don't really want to do or you're nervous about, you just kind of get on and do it anyway. So that's something that's outside. Like, what about, interviews and stuff like that for you know even like not just for judo jobs but strength and conditioning jobs you're like nervous about he's good he's crack on and get it done anyway you can't let you learn not, not to let fear kind of dictate your life just, just get on with it like so that's that's something that it does for it that's great so uh we'll wrap it up there michael i think that mm. was awesome um really appreciate you taking the time to share your thoughts with us today no, no problem. Sometimes it's hard to answer because I'm I'm thinking back in time to well, last time I competed was 2014, and you go through different stages, I guess, as you from being a nervous nine-year-old fighting your first competition to like fighting in Europe and stuff, the different experiences and feelings to draw from. But, no, thanks for having me on. Enjoy, Shane. Thank you. <laughs>